Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. And I'm Senior Editor Devinder Hardwar. And this week, we're going to talk all about telehealth and basically how it's helping us get through this coronavirus pandemic, its potential limitations, as well as the impact it could have, kind of the lasting change uh, it could have for medicine and health overall in yeah. the future. All of a sudden, it's very useful to be able to see a doctor from your home. Imagine that. Yeah, I don't know why no one thought about this. (laughs) Before we get to all that, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcatcher. Leave us a review or a rating on iTunes and send us your thoughts and feedback to podcast at engadget.com, especially if you like us. If you don't, do that too. Please, only if you like us. (laughs) Anyway, so last week we talked all about how working from home, which is enabled by tech a lot, uh, is basically the new way of life for all of us now and this week it seems to just kind of have naturally progressed into how telehealth is Mm -hmm. also going to be the default method of seeing your doctor probably from from now on what do you think Devendra? it is kind of funny right we've basically yeah we've normalized these things that were kind of specialty scenarios before you know I, i think most people would be like if you're sick you go to the doctor you go to one of those like uh in New York, we have these urgent care things like City MD yep. that are just everywhere because yep. our health system sucks and it's really hard to see the doctor you're supposed to. Uh, but Boy. instead of that, like telehealth has always been around. Very good insurance uh, companies would occasionally offer it. Uh, we get it through our job here. And I've used it. I've used it when I've had a cold. My wife uses it quite a bit. Um, it is just helpful. And also because like the idea of going to doctor, especially during a pandemic like this, mm-hmm. is bad. Like whenever you go to the hospital or anything, you are also opening yourself up to whatever is going on. at the, Like you could potentially get infected just by trying to go to the doctor. This avoids that. Yeah, I mean, like the whole thing about like staying at home, stay at home, everyone. But then if you feel a little sick, what are you going to do? So for me yesterday, I talked to my therapist on the phone and he actually gave me some insight as to what happened. So you're totally right, Devendra. Like of all his patients, like in the past, every commercial insurance provider has mostly covered telehealth. So teletherapy sessions as part of that. But the things like Medicare and Medicaid have never really offered that sort of coverage. The good news is this week we saw news that Medicare is expanding telehealth coverage. So if you're on Medicare, um, you're going to be able to see a doctor through your computer or through your phone, like just doing it online. Um, according to my therapist too, like in the past, like for us, we did our session mm-hmm. through this software and he was able to do so. He wasn't, we never did this before in the past. And the reason was because he need, we would have needed to go through months of like uh kind of qualifying for the access to it and he needed okay. to go through training and all that is it, stuff. It's not just like you're Skyping, right? It's a special no, video it's, thing? Exactly. It's specialty software because of like HIPAA rules and stuff right, like that. Right. You kind of have to be confidential. So he kind of like sent me a confidential link. He told me like <laughs> your this call is confidential. Um, so what happens is that he would normally have had to like yeah, spend a few weeks to a few months training for it. But this time around, because of everything that's going on, the software provider and Medicare are speeding up the process. So you'll get like access almost immediately. Like I was able to see my therapist online because he quickly sped up the process. But he said that Medicare is also sending him kind of the like documentation for what he would need to do. So this is this is going on, guys. This is like mm-hmm. getting real right now. Yeah. And I guess Medicare, it also makes sense for it to cover telehealth because it Medicare covers 
the most vulnerable population against yeah. coronavirus, right? It is older older folks, people with underlying health conditions. Um, Medicare is a very useful thing. It is, yeah, not to get too deep into the weeds of this, but it is like a very successful social medicine program yeah. like, that, that seems to help a lot of people, which needs to be expanded. Uh, but yeah, which also many of the same people in this country who benefit from it fight against expanding it to everybody. It's... We are we are topsy-turvy, this country, man. Dev man, you way to way to make me sad. But the other, <laughs> <laughs> the other part of telehealth, right? I mean, telehealth is like a, I guess, kind of a vague term. It basically means going to get like health support on like through teleservices, which I guess tele is kind of a misnomer because it, means, it sounds like phone, <laughs> but it's also online, right? And the other part to it is not just consultations, but getting your medication. Mm-hmm. And for us, uh, I'm not sure if you know this too, Devendra, is that like our insurance kind of forces us to default to um, Express Scripts, which is a medicine yeah. delivery service. Yeah. So for us, our pharmacy is Express Scripts. Um, and I think, I mean, our insurance provider is big enough that it seems like a pretty common practice these days, but Medicare starting to expand now and hopefully covering telemedicine as well and also deliveries i assume too as a part of it's like the whole thing about express scripts and other services like that is like you don't have to go stand in a line in your pharmacy which is also you putting yourself in danger of like catching whatever else like don't go to the pharmacies people try not to go to the doctor if you can stay home yeah yeah one thing around this by the way like I didn't realize Express Scripts automatically allowed you to like uh, you could request up to three months worth of yep. your medication uh, if your doctor allowed it. Um, yeah. That is something uh, we mentioned last week that Aetna yeah. is allowing to in general CVS free deliveries. Like check yeah. this out. If you need medication, look into your free delivery options. You don't need to use something like Express Scripts. And what with Medicare now supporting it, I think that this is what will make telehealth like a lasting thing. It's it's going to become a real thing. And and let's like not forget, telehealth has been around for a while. I yeah. mean, it's it's not a novel idea, of course, but like there was a wave of startups, like health startups, providing you yeah, digital consultations early in the early days was for convenience it was for avoidance of mm-hmm. to, you know like shameful topics maybe and so i think that roman this company uh when it launched around 2017 or 2018 it was trying to get um men to talk about erectile dysfunction with their doctors because often erectile dysfunction is like a check engine light for men's health like it's an indicator of something else is up so they did that and they did dispense like ED medication. Um, you would talk to a doctor first on their website and then get the right prescription and then they would send it to you too. And they've expanded since to cover like women's menopause issues and symptoms. And actually this past week too, it, uh, the company announced that they're providing free coronavirus telehealth assessments um, online to basically nearly everyone in the US, which to me, it's stunning because this past weekend something else happened. Like uh-huh. Google, <laughs> Google got outed as supposedly working on a coronavirus screening site. No, it was, uh, it was more like the thing where your teacher's like, "Yeah, so hand in your assignment, right?" And yeah. uh, Google's like, "What? Uh, what did assignment? I did I miss that class?" Uh, I, almost, I don't know. Yeah, and it. I almost feel like the teacher didn't give that assignment. I, the, yeah, teacher, yeah. This yeah. is this is a whole weird thing. So apparently, so what was it? Verily, Trump mentioned that Google's health you know, subsidiary, Verily, is working on a coronavirus, uh, you know, testing site on Friday. And I don't know if Google realized this. I don't know if Verily <laughs> realized this. And something was launched, I think, by Sunday night in select counties <laughs> in the U.S. But I've seen journalists try to use it. And it seems like it is basically a BuzzFeed quiz. Oh, like, God. Are you going over your symptoms and even people who clearly say they have the symptoms the verily site would not um say oh you could potentially have coronavirus so it seems like a very useless thing it's uh so basic so i was Mm -hmm. kind of involved during that time of when trump brought it up during his live press conference and then google scrambling to provide some sort of answer because (laughs) it was 4 p.m 4 30 p.m on a friday on the east coast and i didn't bother to tune into this press conference because I was busy with the review video, but also just like, ah, oh, Trump's not going to say anything about my beat, which is Google, right? <laughs> out of nowhere, out of nowhere, they're like pinging me. 
the whole team is like, Sherlyn, where are you? I'm like, God, what? I was shooting a video and they were like, we need to talk to Google right now. I was like, and then I tried to talk to Google. They were like dead. They were like radio silent. Uh, we're, like, we're building the website right now. We can't talk. Yeah, they're Sorry. scrambling to build it. And <laughs> I I mean, I talked to a friend who works there and they, after the fact, like on Saturday or Sunday, were telling me like, yeah, the whole reason we weren't responding to people is because we didn't know what the hell just happened. And yeah. I was like, yeah, uh, that you makes know, sense. You know, I'm laughing, but I'm also crying at the same time because this is the state of the world we're living in. I'm it's fully amazing. shaking my head. Um, here's <laughs> what's funny, though. When you said that the website was basically a BuzzFeed quiz, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's so shocking to me that Google, maybe like they haven't been working on this for a long time, right? But Google hasn't been able to develop something as sophisticated as what Roe already has. And that I think is because Roe um, already had the infrastructure in place, kind of, right? They already were providing doctor consultations um, and basic screening questions before. So you're saying Roe, this is still Roman, right? They just yeah. changed their name. They simplified right. a little. They changed it to Roe because they weren't targeting just men anymore. So mm -hmm. Roman seemed like a little gender yeah. specific. Yeah. yeah. A, a little Trojan y. Yeah. I don't know what Trojan you're thinking about. I, exactly. I think they. I think that connotation was right there, and they're like, "Oh, hmm, let's uh, uh yeah, let's expand I'm... a little." So that that's useful. That's pre-screening, but what what does that entail? That's just like going over the questionnaire. Yeah, it's the so... same deal, but it doesn't mean you're going to be getting a testing kit. They're just like prepping us for the point where testing kits are available right absolutely so i and i want to like tell you a little bit about something mm -hmm. else that does that so so real what it does is you go to the website you do the screening questions that feels like a buzzfeed quiz but that's kind of a way to field the mass populations that will be flooding their sites right like the quiz is a very easy way to do that um at the end of the quiz if they determine that you do have certain more concerning symptoms they'll direct you to an online doctor consultation um and if you've been to like a telehealth consultation before you'll know you sit in this kind of like a vague waiting room it's a digital waiting room so you it's like a, you're being placed on hold with an operator yeah. are there and then digital the doctor... magazines just sitting around <laughs> in a dirty they'll... play set that all the kids have played with yeah. <laughs> they'll tell you to go watch verily's bus yes. quiz um <laughs> but basically yeah and then when the doctor is ready to see you they'll click on your link and you'll start this video conference um and that's where the doctor will talk to you directly. They're still not seeing you. And so, like, let's be clear, there's limits to telehealth. And we'll get mm -hmm. into that later. But then after the doctor talks to you and they're like, okay, you do need to go see a doctor. That's when you're, like, more reassured about going out to see a doctor because your case is specific. Sure. That has nothing to do with, like, actual testing kits being sent to you. But another one of these wave of startup companies that started around the same time as Roe called NeurRx. I always call them NERCs, but apparently they're NERCs. pronounced It's spelled NERCs. It's spelled NERCs, but it's okay. N-U-R-X, yeah. and it's new R-X. And they actually announced this week, too, that they're doing a similar thing as Verily and Roe, which is they're doing that home screening telehealth service. But at the end of all the steps that I just explained with Roe, after the doctor visit part of it, if they determine that you're definitely showing very confirmed symptoms and you're someone who needs testing done, they'll send you a home testing kit. Um, and I talked to them and I was like, yo, like, how, mm -hmm. where, do you, where do you get this testing kit from? How many do you have? <laughs> well, their, their whole website right now is just like, yeah, we're going to have this process in place eventually, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah what, the, the single greatest problem I think we're facing as a country and as a society is that there just aren't enough of these kits out there. Absolutely. I'm sure a lot of these startups want to be like, hey, we're going to we're going to solve this crisis, guys, except they need the same kits that everyone else is waiting for. Right. Yeah, that's a big problem, and yeah. that's why a lot of like these services aren't providing that. So NeuroRx has always provided some sort of home testing kit delivery or home like uh, medication service. Um, I think I believe they started out with birth control, which is I have a bad experience with them. I'll get into it. But so I asked them, I was like, so how many do you have, and like, what is your <laughs> testing kit like, and when are you going to launch? Like they at first early on in the week like tuesday or so they were like definitely by the end of this week yeah. i was like, okay. like look over here and ran <laughs> away yeah and then i yesterday they replied to my email i asked again and they were like well in a few days definitely in the coming days <laughs> and i was like okay. okay um but they also said that so they have a very limited supply of testing kits so the regular uh, COVID-19 testing kit is a nasal swab. So you stick yep. basically a, a Q-tip into your nose, get a bit of mucus, put it into the testing kit. But for the one that NeuroRx is working with their test provider to send to people is a throat swab. 
So it's a little bit different. They're working with a provider that's working on this. So this is private sector stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the same kits that the CDC is giving Man, to hospitals. I, I thought the private sector would save us in the midst of a major health crisis that does not seem to be happening i don't know what's going on here i don't i don't how are we going to actually access this thing is this accepted by insurance companies or what yeah whenever it's live um neurex the way it's always uh operated is it does work with insurance um some like some companies cover it so if you're if your insurance already covers some sort of telehealth it chances are neurex is not a huge problem i did get so i used neurex in the past to try to get birth control and even without uh, insurance coverage, it was going to be a lot cheaper than typical birth control. Right, it was going right, to be like $15 right. for like a three-month supply, and that's not bad at all. And then what happened was I tried to get my insurance to cover the consultation with Neurex, and they found out, and they were like, no, you have to use Express Scripts. And so I had to switch to Express Scripts through our insurance because I think they have a deal. So yeah, Neurex, yeah. Basically, they should be offering this for free. <laughs> and uh, it, I don't know whether they will be. It doesn't seem very clear yet from what they've told me. But they, at least the screening part of it seems to be mm-hmm. uh, free. And then the home testing kit might cost you some money. Uh, knowing NeuroX and how it operates and also knowing that the entire industry on, in the startup area is trying their best to provide these services for free now. It's likely they'll offer it for at no cost, but I can't guarantee that. Yeah. I will say, though, I know of another company called Kensho Health um, that's a little kind of off uh, the mainstream in terms of medicine. This is more spiritual and holistic. No, no. I know. Shut this down right here. We're not going to talk about crystals. We're not going to talk about chakras. <laughs> It's, no, it's, thank you. it's half therapy. Like some of the, <laughs> they have therapists, so that's fine. And they're providing oh, all their services for free. So I, I mean, like, I won't blame this company too much. I once had one of my first primary care physicians, like as a grown up, was a homeopathic doctor. <laughs> and I did not realize that. So, and this was a guy who would just like fight me at every chance to like get medication. He was like, try some, try oregano. Wow. For oregano. Yeah, skin problems. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're a doctor, right? So oh, I feel like, boy. yeah. We're going to have to fight all this stuff with all these services. One thing about telehealth, I feel like the convenience is a little scary at -hmm. times. Like I use Keeps to to get a little medication to save my receding hairline because it's (laughs) like uh, it's all I've got. Really, I have, I have a decent amount of hair. You do. Um, so I'm trying to keep that good. And mm. I went through Keeps. It was a very simple process. I took a couple photos of my hairline. They're like, yes, you have a receding hairline. We're going to mm-hmm. send you medicine. Mm-hmm. And they're sending me this stuff like every a three-month supply, every, mm-hmm. every three months, basically. I'm paying this money. I don't know. Like, I don't have the follow-up I do with a real doctor. I don't exactly. know, like, what the effects would be. If uh, if I had a bad reaction to this medication, I'm not sure how responsive they'd be to helping yep. me. So yep. it seems like a lot of these companies are out there just trying to be like, here, here's birth control. Here's erectile yep. dysfunction pills. Here's like stuff for your hairline. Uh, we can ship this out easily. It's not that hard for yep. us to remotely accept it. But there, there do seems to be limits in terms of what they can do. There are. And I will say I had a horror story from all of this happening. Like I ended up in the ER um oh because because i was using the birth control from neurex and then using the express scripts generic version like the switch wasn't it which i uh, should have been talking to a doctor the whole time okay. so this wasn't neurex's fault this was our system's fault because our insurance is locked into a certain delivery provider well neurex also didn't uh make me feel very reassured during the right. process of getting the birth control where like right. I talked to a doctor and it seemed very robotic and it seemed like no you'll be fine uh, you'll take this take this it's fine take this take this it's fine like they really yeah. just kept feeling like they were pushing that brand well also me. these doctors are like they we are just like a list of clients for them yes. so they're they're going through like a check like a google to-do sheet <laughs> of of their patients and it's, it's even less yeah. than like traditional medicine where you have people complain about having only 10 or 15 minutes to talk to their doctors these things are like yeah you have a google chat and that's it 100 percent, 100 percent. there's too many limitations to telehealth but it is a good starting place mm-hmm. i think though like you did bring up a point uh while we were talking about this a while ago that like there are ways to make it a little bit better 
um, for doctors to get clearer information about our health from mm -hmm. home. Things like your smartwatch pals, like already a lot of smartwatches um, work with like, or send your data to your doctor when you allow it, uh, according to HIPAA um, policies anyway. Which one and is that? Uh, I think Apple Watch yes. could, they, they do a decent amount of data collection, maybe yes. Fitbit stuff, but I'm so not sure how deep. So it's Apple Watch and Fitbit, and okay. they take your pulse. Um, they do your pulse patterns. They also do like they look out for AFib, and your you know depending on if your doctor recommends that you wear. And a lot of doctors actually have been recommending people do uh, get Fitbits. I don't know whether because mm -hmm. Fitbit talked to them and was like push this on your clients, or they just really want to get people active and moving. So they're like do ten thousand steps a day, and I will check your activity log, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's one of the ways that like telehealth can be boosted from our end and with gadgets. Right. Because right now it's basically just video chats, right? So I can imagine like uh, smartwatch would certainly help, like something that monitors you Absolutely. throughout the day. Um, there are also things like uh, blood pressure monitors, smart mm -hmm. versions of those, smart Wi-Fi scales. There's, there mm -hmm. are things out there that can provide more information to your doctors. There's a certain convenience to that. I think that's it's a good thing for people to have in their homes. If you're mm -hmm. having issues where you need to check your blood pressure often, you mm -hmm. should get one of those devices. Um, when my wife was, you know, when we just had our baby, that was a very important thing to be mm -hmm. able to check blood pressure at home just in case there were any complications. Uh, a lot of people just rely on going to their pharmacy or something to go to one of those, uh, you know, arm pumps and check mm -hmm. it there. These things are cheap. They go for around 30 to 40 bucks. And some of the more advanced ones can go for like $70. The downside of that convenience is that this is all more data that's being collected by these services, being sold to who knows what. And we also don't have a unified system of providing this stuff to doctors. So all of this is a, is a good reminder that we really need like a secure stable universal health data system in the US. That would make things a lot easier for everybody. Do you think it's possible? I think it's possible, but we can't we can't even get a freaking BuzzFeed, you know, <laughs> site, right? Yeah, no, definitely there's going to be a lot of data collection. Like when you go to these sites, like bear in mind, you're not only entering whether or not you have symptoms, but you're also going to have to go through things like your social, like I don't know about your social security number, but your name, your location, right, all of these right. things that identify you. So there needs to be better protection. And again, like right before we recorded this podcast, um, <laughs> news broke that the senators, you know, super on top of stuff, they're questioning Alphabet, which is Verily and Google's parent company, um, about the data collection here and how the company plans to protect the data that's being collected. As they should. As they yeah. should. And I think that that's good news that the senators are starting to ask Alphabet because, you know what, it's still targeted COVID-19 specific data, right? I mean, in terms of the symptom checking, mm -hmm. but they really should start thinking of asking every telehealth company to, to really provide that data protection. Um, like I said, I think that some services are already trying to do their best, like the software that's uh, facilitating some of these telehealth services, but it's at every turn. It can't just be the video right. conference mechanism. It needs to be the databases that are storing these. What are the doctors using? What are the clinics using? What are the pharmacies using? Mm -hmm. These all this need to be protected. This is why regulations are good. We, we need smarter people who can actually manage all this stuff. So it, I feel like the big takeaway for a lot of this is that it does seem like telehealth is a reality now, right? It's not just like yeah. a thing that's going to appear and go away as people have better yeah. access to their doctors. I think a lot of people will be sold by the convenience of this, just like the convenience of work from home. So. Yes. There's at least like a fundamental societal shift here in the U.S. going on, right? I think Medicare and the senators asking Alphabet about Verily are are two ways the government, you know, take are paying attention, and because they're paying attention, it will become a lasting thing. Um, I do want to say though that like we talked a little bit about the limits of mm -hmm. telemedicine and telehealth, but like there are still other limits, like. I mean, when I did a flu um, and I thought I had the flu and I saw a doctor online, she was like, okay, touch your neck for me. Does it feel <laughs> painful? I was like, right. lordy, lordy, this is not how I want to do this. <laughs> and, and there are limits. Like there are a lot of things you still need to be in person to see. Like your doctor's not going to be able to check out a mole through your webcam and be like, yeah, that's skin cancer. You know what I mean? Like, right. no. Although eventually we, we are talking about like what the future of devices will be. I think we're, we're looking at smartphones with like really crazy high resolution cameras, yeah. right? And also yeah. things like, um, what is it? 3D depth sensing. Yes. Uh, I can imagine like something using a combination of these other tools. Uh, maybe like something that can actually detect like a heat map and stuff. That stuff will be more and more useful for Absolutely. things like skincare. Yeah. 
I think that uh, yes, a hundred and eight megapixel sensor that we were talking about <laughs> will 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 help. And still though, still though, there are it, it can't completely replace things. You need to you do sometimes at some more severe cases. I think need to go into a doctor's office still, and they're never going to fully go away. I will say I think that um, the one thing that is really hard to replace with telehealth is therapy. I think people. I, I read our therapy a bit and a mm-hmm. lot of people are freaking out about talking to their therapist, not in person. Instead, uh, they're doing it either over the phone or through video conference. My own experience was pretty okay. Like I thought it was surprisingly better to talk to my therapist online. And here's how I know it's going to be lasting too, is mm-hmm. that he said, now that we have this set up, we can actually do this moving forward. And I was like, oh, now yeah. I have this as an option, and that's incredible because sometimes I travel a lot and I can't go home for therapy until. Oh, that's I get, great! That's yeah. great. I do know, like, um, you know, I know people who also use teletherapy as like their main thing. Mm-hmm. It does seem like you need you need at least some in person contact at first to build that relationship. It yes. is kind of hard to do this with just like a random, you know, oh, you've been uh, assigned to this doctor or by this service, and now you're chatting online. Open up your deepest desires and darkest <laughs> fears. You know, that's tough. I I am working on a story about that. You'll see it on the site soon. But yeah, I mean, clearly this is going to change things for us. And I think that the the role that tech plays in this is great. And I'm, I'm quite happy about it. Cool. Okay, why don't we move on to something fun, Sherlyn? I think (laughs) the fact that we're all so many of us trapped at home. Yep. uh, Our only ways to be social is social media it is funny like we've reached this point after talking about the perils of social media for months on end now it's like oh oh save us you know facebook newsfeed save us twitter it's not great i don't don't know know. i don't know if they're going to save i feel like it's a sanity at least yeah i feel like it's 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 both good and bad and i think Mm -hmm. that uh for me i've tried to kind of stay away from twitter because it was causing me too much like it's pretty bad yeah it was making me depressed but but there is a lot of good i feel like for me it was really uh heartening to be like to to know that celebrities like say chris martin of coldplay or john legend they were like streaming concerts on periscope and instagram live for free just to keep people entertained um i know like other people are doing it i think colbert mm-hmm. you were saying was i saw colbert's videos from his bathtub <laughs> yeah, colbert, colbert is shooting his show from like his bathtub from like his backyard and his fire pit that's cool yeah i think um of a fun thing by the way conan o'brien just knew they announced that they're mm-hmm. actually going to be going back to daily shows Sweet. because he has a lot of staff he wants to keep them employed you know and yeah. they can remotely produce shows via iPhones and pipe in guests via Skype or something. So yep. they're still doing it. And it's interesting to see how culture reworks itself around yes. this. Uh, one of my favorite things was, um, was it WWE, Monday mm-hmm. Night Raw? Oh so my God. There's, there's no more audience. So now it's just wrestlers <laughs> like talking crap to each other in like an empty stadium and somebody plugged in uh, Twin Peaks music behind it. And I started listening to them. <laughs> they took my crooked little world and they turned it into a majestic fun house. <laughs> you broke me, John. But the fiend, he put me back together. <laughs> so it's like, is this crazy Lynchian wrestler delivering a monologue oh. about his his life? And it's, oh, it's amazing. So yeah. we are seeing some really cool things like all of this happening because we're social animals and social media is all we've got now right that to me was like what i was most excited to see come out of this like i knew creators were going to get creative pardon the repeat word but like (laughs) they were and uh i just i and these are entertainers their job is to entertain us and i agree that we should try to keep as many people employed and working during this time as possible this is creative i love it i one of my favorites is ellen degeneres she's um been posting a lot more on her social media just complaining about how bored she is but like just spamming all her celebrity friends on their phones so every hour she posts a new instagram story or video calling justin timberlake chrissy Teigen. uh i don't know who else she's called yet but it's just like are you bored i'm bored what are you doing show us your home that sort of thing it's really really hilarious so there's a lot of good <laughs> there's a lot of good well it's been... also it shows they can produce a lot of the stuff without much effort too which I don't know if I'm looking forward to that, but it's right. fun. It's keeping us entertained in this really dark time. For now. I, I've been asking people to send their cute baby and animal videos, too. It's adorable. And that's better than seeing the 700th 
article about how bad shit has gotten. So yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's okay to take a break, everybody. It's okay. Like, there's one thing we're just kind of like staring at this monster trampling modern society in front of us, and we can't do anything about it. So do whatever you can to stay sane. That's, I believe that's fair. I believe, though, like social media, like I said, is a double edged sword and there's a lot of bad going around on social media as well. Like not to meant not like barring even just straight news where like I think our producer Ben was telling us about um, a BuzzFeed article that said every little bit of information that you mm-hmm. get in these times feels like a hit of dopamine where it's, well, it's also, you're, you're it, addicted you're addicted it's to the people news. sharing especially these like weird coronavirus influencers so this is a, a story yep. called i'm not an epidemiologist uh from buzzfeed the the rise of coronavirus influencers mm-hmm. and it is an interesting phenomenon of people who have a little bit of information and left to share it out there and they'll get those likes they'll get those retweets uh except they're getting they're doing it to a point where we don't have all the information yep. sometimes they're spreading misinformation and but they keep doing it because they're being rewarded by by the systems we have in place so so there's a few examples of this right like over the weekend carrie hilson who i liked i think tweeted about 5g causing coronavirus and it was Uh. the most ridiculous thing all she did was and i don't think it was even her original thought she just posted like screenshots of someone else's conspiracy that like oh yeah china started 5g and people started dying then the u.s started lighting out 5g and look we're all dying and like that's just uh like that's so like false completely false but a lot of people thankfully called her out for it and she took Mm -hmm. down the tweet but it still spread a lot of people are still like don't use 5g meanwhile welcome to sherlin's weekly whatsapp complaining corner we need a theme song (laughs) 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 but my mom and I I lost it at my mom this week, and I feel very bad. I feel we get to record. Bad. I wish I could record like these conversations between <laughs> you and your mom because I want to know how this goes. So my main connection with everyone at home in Singapore is mostly WhatsApp, and you know my mom and my family. We have several chat groups. My mom started sending. Well, my mom always sends a lot of dumb stuff, and <laughs> she just forwards people's messages. So over like I think Sunday or Monday, she. No, actually, yesterday, she forwarded um, something saying from one of her groups in WhatsApp saying, guys, don't eat, don't use ibuprofen. Um, It's been proven or it's been found to accelerate replication of COVID. And then she forwarded another message saying the NHS, National Health Service, (laughs) NHS is saying, no, you like don't use ibuprofen, use uh, paracetamol. And I was like, and also I'm doing the voices, obviously. Uh Anyway, um, I saw that and I kind of like something blew, like my brain broke. It's it's fundamentally bad advice because people need, they need ibuprofen to even survive this thing if they get it. So let me kind of just tell you how all of this happened because I got so mad that I did deep fact checking. (laughs) I went deep. I was like, how do I prove you? You are wrong, mom, in so many ways. I went deep. It started when the French health minister tweeted that ibuprofen and he's the one he was like ibuprofen is going to like worsen covid response or your body's response to covid and then because a french health minister tweeted it obviously Uh everyone has to go and check right like all the health like so the world health organization had to be like all right here's what we're going to tell people they sent a spokesperson out and the spokesperson was like there has been no conclusive evidence, but we're going to err on the side of caution and tell you to, yeah, sure, avoid ibuprofen. Uh, and then a million outlets, including, I'm not going to name the outlets, but a million uh-huh. outlets reported that as WHO cautions against using ibuprofen. So now you've got like a million articles saying the WHO has issued a warning against yeah. ibuprofen. Even and though then, it's more like a mealy mouth statement from them and just yes. being like, I, we don't know. We're not yes. going to say anything. It yeah. was just like in an abundance of caution, though, used because ibuprofen compared <laughs> to paracetamol is an NSAID, a non steroid right. anti inflammatory drug. Right. And it does impact certain people's reaction, like, especially people who have like lung disease and stuff like that. You know, it does like affect your immune system some in some like, cases. But it it's not been shown. First of all, I took mm-hmm. serious issue with the fact that the thing going around was that it's been so-called found to replicate the COVID like virus or something. And I was like, 
Yeah. No, 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 no. So I gave my mom a lesson in fact checking. <laughs> Did she? Well, here's the thing. Did you accept it? Because what I find, and I feel like a lot of people who have, you know, parents right now, yeah. it is very hard to convince them of anything. It has taken me a week to convince my parents who are Ooh. very stubborn, strong, you know, immigrant parents to not leave the house to not go to the store for like one one goddamn thing, exposing themselves <laughs> to infection. Um, it is very tough out there. And it's funny. It's like the tables have turned, right? It's like yeah. they're the teenagers. Yep. And we're like, no, if you, if you go here, you're going to get in a car accident. If you go hang out with your friends, yep. something bad's going to happen. It's the tables have turned. But I, my, so how did this end up for you? Shola? My mom's reaction was to employ one of my teenage tactics. And... <laughs> She basically cold warred me. She she basically stopped talking to me. I was like, okay, because like let let's be honest, what I did here was to like send her sure. a slew of messages. I said, did like, you send it to her in private? Or did you send it to her? Oh no! Yeah. Oh, this is the group chat. Oh, oh no. I shamed her in our group chat too. Oh. Like so, so she she sent like a slew of like like ibuprofen messages, <laughs> and I usually only respond to my parents or my family texts with like one-liners and smiley faces so this time around they got like a wall of green from me like it was it was the great wall of china of messages <laughs> it was like 700 lines of like how bad this information is and you should never trust sources that are not reputable you should go to the bbc yeah. you should go to the new york times as the gold standard and if you just looked online there were seven articles debunking that ibuprofen claim yeah. so like I was like, this is my job. How dare you not fact check? Like I it, said, those things to her. It is funny. This is like an impossible task. Like it's an impossible thing to fight against because it's so easy to hijack our brains and our reasoning centers for believing in conspiracy theories. That's why they exist in the first Absolutely. place. Absolutely. Um, but also I, I've seen a lot of like really things trying to be helpful. Like uh, was it Wu-Tang had like this image they were sending out about like, stay safe, stay home. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they were like, if you have symptoms, go to the doctor. With that, that is not the advice right now. No. Now the advice is stay home, try to keep, try to take care of yourself. I've seen other images going around saying, Kid, you know, check on the older people in your community. I'm like, oh. no, don't. don't. You're going to kill them. You're going to so, send them viruses. There is so much like well-meaning, but also misinformed things that feel so dangerous. You are a vector. Your children are vectors yep. and you got to keep them safe. So call them. Send them video messages, you know, video chat. I'm really getting everybody on board with video yes. chatting now, finally, yes. uh, after I've been trying for years. Um, also, also, if you want to send them stuff, uh, I realize grocery deliveries are kind of overwhelmed right now, but it, you can get people yes. things eventually. So yes. set up a grocery delivery order. Try to keep people safe. Yes. That's the best you can do right now. I will say on like a nice little wrap up to that WhatsApp <laughs> fiasco <laughs> is that whatsapp also announced this week uh yesterday that they are launching a coronavirus fact checking hub um in in you know uh i guess in conjunction or, or working with the cdc and who to to do like a fact checking hub i don't know what the impact will be on these forwarded right. messages yet um but whether or not they'll show verified news with some kind of visual uh, signal or you know, people are still going to forward messages to each other. But it is nice that WhatsApp is aware. I mean, this is an issue for the company since 2018. We There have been reports of WhatsApp misinformation forever now. I and- mean, forever, forever. This is WhatsApp messages and group chats have led to, you know, riots in India. Yep. People yep. getting killed. Like, if this Absolutely. is dangerous stuff, all, all spread, like, with the kernel of a text message on WhatsApp. So, yeah, this is where we are. And this is the one good thing to come out of this global <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> I guess riots killing people didn't make didn't force WhatsApp to yeah. do something like this and now they're having to do it. So yeah. That's a that's a nice note to end this crummy crummy uh saga on. Okay, how about some tech news, some non-virus news. <laughs> Sony gave us more details about the PlayStation 5 <laughs> finally after Microsoft has been having like a field day just divulging information about the Xbox Series X. Uh, Xbox Series X. There are YouTubers who have had hands-on with the hardware. We have Ooh. a full breakdown of what that thing. We know what it looks like. Uh, we know all the hardware inside it. So this week, Sony basically just uh, aired their GDC <laughs> uh, press conference. That's what was going to happen. So Mark Cerny, the chief architect of the PlayStation Stood up for an hour and talked to a very small auditorium. There were actual people in front of him, but the way it was shot looked like MST3K or something of just like these cutouts. 
uh, making fun of him. Um, he he's a very interesting speaker because he's a really smart guy, mm-hmm. but his presentation is very much like uh, almost Pee Wee Herman esque. He is. Oh wow. He's not like a strong speaker, but he's a good technical speaker. But anyway. Let's talk about the PlayStation 5. And here's what we know. Okay. He confirmed that the PlayStation 5 has a 10.28 teraflop GPU with 36 compute units. And that's interesting because Microsoft chose to have 52 compute units instead. Whoa. They're running it at a slower clock rate. So mm. I think what's really interesting is that both of these machines have very similar hardware. They mm. are both powered by AMD's third generation Ryzen processors. Uh, they both have AMD's uh, Radeon Navi graphics, actually mm. the second generation of that. Um, so on paper, these machines are going to be very, very similar. And I think the big takeaway for a lot of this is that basically they're they're going to be very powerful. They're going to look very good. They're going to be producing you know, 4K gaming at 60 FPS, which is what we all really yeah. want right now. Um, the key takeaway, though, is like there, there is a difference in how... Microsoft and Sony is applying this hardware. So Microsoft is almost taking like a more uh, just throwing as much specs as they can at the Mm. wall to make a super powerful system. We've seen the Series X. It is it looks like a desktop computer. It has Mm. a weird like unique stack design. It has a giant honking fan and a vapor chamber cooler. It, It looks like a desktop. We don't know what the PlayStation 5 looks like. And across the board, you know, their CPU is a bit slower. The mm. GPU is faster, but it has fewer compute units. The RAM is a bit slower as well. Does it There's have, a bit of a trade-off. Does it have mm-hmm. some sort of cooling chamber because if it's running at faster I mean, we don't speed. know. We have no idea what Ooh. the PlayStation 5 looks like. It will likely have a vapor chamber cooler as well because mm-hmm. that is, that's a smart way for hardware makers to pack a ton of power to very hot yep. hardware in a very small amount of space. So the Xbox One uh, X, which came out two years ago, also had one. And that is actually a really small, compact machine, but it's very dense because mm. that cooler is super heavy. So these are going to be fast machines. I think that's the, the really interesting thing here. Sony really spent a lot of time on their SSD. And it's a custom mm. PCIe 4.0 SSD that's going to be able to take in up to 5.5 gigabytes per second Holy uh, crap. of data, of uncompressed data, 8 to 9 gigabytes per second uh, when it's compressed. But that means uh, the PlayStation 5 will be able to like fill up its 16 gigabytes of RAM in two seconds. That oh. is a fast load time for a game like Spider-Man or something, right? Whereas yeah. The, the Microsoft's hardware is a bit slower when it comes to disk speed. They're both using NVMe SSDs, so no moving parts, uh, very fast and attached directly to the PCI hub. So that means that, yeah, it's just fast. It's the fastest way to get storage to your drives. So what does it mean like when you're saving your game, you don't have to wait as long well, when you're trying just, to load up a game? not just saving your game. It's loading. It's yeah, like it's... loading big-ass textures because these are going to be 4K mm-hmm. textures, and it takes a while uh, you play a game like Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4 or 4 Pro right now, you have loading. You have you have to yeah. wait like sometimes yeah. 5 to 10 seconds of loading time. The thing with the PlayStation 5 is that you could just, that game will always be accessible. You, you may have like an initial load period to get into the game, but as you're going around the map, you won't really have to deal with that. Um, one other interesting thing, Sony is going to be allowing you to use like standard off-the-shelf NVMe SSDs. Those are those ones that look like little RAM sticks mm. and you can plug it right into the system. Microsoft is going to be selling like this one terabyte uh, external NVMe cartridge that's made by Seagate, and you'll be able to plug into the back of the console. We don't know what that's going to cost. Um, oh, what but is it for? Is it for like storing games? For storing games, because okay. that's the thing. Like, you're these things are going to have disk drives. Uh, yes. We know the Xbox will. We don't know if the PlayStation will. Most likely, because it's it's good to have. But you have to install your games. You can't mm-hmm. just like plug in your game in and play it like you used to on the PlayStation 1 or something. Yeah, A lot of people are buying games digitally now, so you need that storage space. So storage is important. Loading is important. I think there are a lot of like good um, quality of life improvements we're seeing across both of these consoles. Yeah. Yeah. And we're expecting the what, holiday season this year? Holiday season. um, I did write that editorial a couple weeks ago about how like I think the Series X could make gaming PCs obsolete for a lot of people. And honestly, the same applies to the PlayStation 5. Very similar hardware, very powerful hardware. PC gamers are already scoffing at it, but PC Mm -hmm. gamers don't have access to PCIe 4.0 yet. So this is actually... A place where these consoles will be ahead. There's there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. So I'm really excited about this upcoming console generation. Not excited about the annoying fanboy wars, which we're already <laughs> seeing. But yeah, go check out my uh, spec breakdown of what Sony is talking about. And hopefully we'll see some hardware soon. 
So it's nice that you've had stuff to cover hardware-wise, Dev. Meanwhile, I am working on something that's really up my alley, but not so much hardware-oriented. I'm working on a guide to finding online therapy uh, or just finding, navigating the world of therapy oh, while nice. we're all kind of isolated at home. Um, mm -hmm. The piece is going to be live hopefully on Monday. Uh, and yeah, because I just have spent so much time researching this for myself, for friends. I have a lot of good tips, um, not just for the process of finding someone, whether or not you have insurance, because that's a problem, but also when you have found someone, how to prepare for your online therapy visit, like what helps and what doesn't, because mm -hmm. it's a whole, it's a whole state of mind that you have to prepare for. So yeah, that should be coming out on Monday. Um, so, so yeah, definitely keep coming back to Engadget and hitting refresh because that's what I would do. <laughs> Just sit there and hit refresh. Yeah. It helps everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about some of our picks, the things helping us to stay sane as we're stuck at home. I've been spending a lot of time in VR. I can't Ooh. say specifically why. I do love like teasing these things <laughs> coming next week on the show. You always do this. It's true. Let me just say, though, I, I love I've. I've loved VR for the past few years. I feel like the market has been kind of slowed down a bit, but we're seeing some really interesting things upcoming from some major developers Ooh. who don't always release games very often. So I'm spending a lot of time in that. And let me just say, like, being being in a game, being in a crazy post-apocalyptic world, while it feels like we're edging <laughs> to that in real life, is at once trippy, but it's also, like, it's nice to literally get away from this world just yeah. a bit. Just a bit. There are lots of other VR things. I like to do uh, Google Earth. I do this just for fun. So Google Earth has a really good VR app. You can, like, rotate the globe around. You can travel, and, like, it brings in all the, like, 3D mapping. Where have you been? Does. Where have you gone yeah, on this? it's super great. Yeah, but where where have you visited on Google Earth? Like, what city have I have, have you... visited um, places I want to see in real life, like uh, Rio de Janeiro. Nice. Uh, along, like... Um, do you just go to Taipei and, like, stalk one of the cafes? Just like... I mean, uh, I, I go to places I've been. I go back to, like, my home street of, like, where I grew up in Hartford sometimes. I go to i actually like to go to my birth country of guyana and just see like what google has covered oh so you know it, it, it's a nice escape and it works really well in the oculus quest too which mm. is the the portable vr headset so something i can show my wife and it's it's a good thing to have when you're stuck at home i will say right now in new york we're not we're not literally quarantined yet you can still go outside you can still mm -hmm. get some fresh air so i try to do that when it's not super crowded uh, the sad thing is, like, when Sophia wants to uh, get some outside time, Aww. I don't want to take her to the park because it's still super crowded. She can't go in the play stuff because the virus can, it, you know, live yeah, there on, for yep. a while. So there's this, like, patch of grass <laughs> in between two streets uh, in our neighborhood that is, like, pretty nice. And people sit there and have picnics. But it's literally just a patch of grass in the middle of the street. And we just hang out there. And she loves to, like, sit and play with the leaves and stuff. So that Aww. is... That's my pick. Uh, spend time with your family if if they're around to keep you sane. I've been playing more Animal Crossing. Certainly a great game to dive into, also to get your mind off of things. My review mm -hmm. is up officially. Um, check out that. I did a video for that as well. Sherlyn, I hope you get Animal Crossing because I'd really like to talk about how games can help us stay sane. Okay, um, okay. And meditative upcoming in an upcoming episode. And I've also been playing Ori and the Will of the Wisps, which is a sequel to Ori and the uh, the Blind Forest, I believe. Hmm. Um, it's a sequel to that game. I love Ori. I love Metroidvania games where you're like just a side-scrolling character going along a path and retreading paths. Hmm. This game is a really big uh, emphasis on combat, hmm. which is surprising to see. Um, this is getting a bit nerdy, but it feels like the developers of this game really liked Hollow Knight, which is one of my favorite games of the past couple of years, hmm. and just straight up implemented many of that game's design uh, elements. Uh, it's nice to see. It does feel a little weird in an Ori game, but I'm enjoying it. So yeah, those are my recommendations. That's what I'm up to. Sherlyn, what are you checking out? I have a surprise for you. So I I oh like boy. surprising Dev. Dev likes to Dev uh, Dev's thing is he likes teasing out his stories ahead of time. My <laughs> thing is I love surprising Dev on this show while we're uh -huh. recording. Uh, I have a TV show recommendation, a Netflix show recommendation, and I I wonder I don't know if you've seen it I'm yet. I'm bracing myself right now. I'm I know I'm like I feel like the I, arms of my chair. I love it, and I feel like you would too, except for I don't know if you've actually seen <laughs> okay. it. So either either I am ahead of you and for once okay. recommending something okay. you've never heard, or I'll just fall flat on my feet. Okay, so I love the Korean show called Kingdom. Yes. It's I so not, good. I have not seen it yet, but I've heard a lot of good things. What, okay. what yeah, what is Holy it? Holy crap. It's like Korean Game of Thrones, but <laughs> 
<laughs> but much tighter. So there's no dragons, mm-hmm. but there are, well, instead of whites, there's actual zombies, right? Actual um, zombies, yeah. Actual zombies. It's, uh, But there's also people fighting for a throne. It's mm-hmm. the Korean royal family. The crown prince finds it's himself. It's in like feudal Korea times too. Right? Absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, season two was just recently uh, released. Season I've only seen season one because my friend and I watch it together and we're waiting mm-hmm. to the weekend to watch season two, which is a tough job. I... <laughs> I cannot stop myself from wanting to watch all because it's so good. So like you said, it's a bit apocalyptic. It's like, it, it's an infection, right? Like it's yeah. basically similar to what we're going through right now, except for zombies. And, but also it stars Chu Ji-hoon and mm-hmm. I love him. I, lo- I love him. I like, you can tell from my voice how much I love him, but he plays the crown prince and he also played the crown prince in a show called Princess Hours that was a classic Korean drama. Okay. Um, from like at least 10 years ago and yeah it's just it's so tight it's so well produced you know korean entertainment honestly for me is so underrated i i really need to watch more um oh yeah yeah yeah. i have a lot of movie recommendations for you charlene for like yeah let's let's chat i've been i've been meaning to check out the show i do appreciate that the first season is uh six episodes yep the second one is too yeah, so it's not like falling to the Netflix curse of being way too long yeah. and outstaying your welcome. I tried the first three episodes of Ultra Carbon season two oh. and I had to give up because like you're just you're wasting my time with three episodes that could have been like one episode, basically. I know. I know. Yeah, but so but yeah, I'm Kingdom glad. Kingdom is really tight. It's like every single episode is packed full of really interesting drama, really good plot progression. I think you'll love it. Uh yeah, I just want Devendra to take my recommendations <laughs> seriously. You know what I mean? I will take this one seriously more than World Wars. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> yeah, do it. Watch it and tell me because I want to squeal about it. Okay, folks, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own managing editor, Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find me online at, at Devendra on Twitter. I podcast about TV and movies at the Slash Filmcast at SlashFilm.com. Sherlyn, where can people find you? If you can squee about Kingdom without spoiling season two for me, I'm at Sherlyn Lowe <laughs> on Twitter. You can email us at podcast at Engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. With that, we are out. I, I know one of my uh, people I follow on Twitter every day this week was like, is it Friday yet? Is it Friday yet? Is it Friday yet? <laughs> <laughs>